everybody who celebrates um if you are a Jew like me uh hope your boss over was good um did you lose your like like Hamets non Hamets five for uh you Gentiles Hamets is leavened bread so um, the Thursday before or like two days I shouldn't say Thursday I'm saying Thursday this year because it started on a Saturday but two days before Passover starts this is your Jew um, learning uh, uh, whatever so two days before Passover you're supposed to um, way back in the day they used feathers and wooden spoons to sweep up all the crumbs of leavened bread that was in the home to get rid of it before Passover because you're not supposed to eat leavened bread for the days of Passover to remind us Jews of um, having to wander 40 days and 40 nights through the desert and um, we had to leave Egypt so quickly and nobody had time to wait for the the bread to rise like if they were cooking bread because, you know, when you're about to break out from a pharaoh and shit, like, I know I would be like, hey, what do I want when I'm walking through the Sinai desert? Um, I want a loaf of bread. Personally, me, I'd be thinking more about I think I'd be thinking about more like um like my drinking options. I imagine my peeps were pretty parched wandering, you know, until they got the mana from heaven and all that good stuff. But yeah, uh so that's where the the no bread comes from. It's hearkening back, shall we say, to having to leave very quickly um <laughs> I mean and listen we all have 
crazy history of our religions or our cultures or our ethnic heritage, right? Like, I'm just speaking from my perspective. Again, you know, this is a not necessarily Zionist zone, but I am pro-Judaism. Like, I'm happy to be a Jew and I'm not anti my religion but um yeah so like you know of all the things like you would think that we wouldn't like we had to like survive the plagues and not be killed by the angel of death by dripping x lamb's blood on our front doors so that the angel of death would know to pass over the house Get it? Passover. Passover. Pesach. Uh, but you didn't come here for a Passover lesson. But yeah, going back to everything, happy Easter. It's Easter Sunday. I am obviously not participating, um, except if you mean participating, I am watching the final four today. Uh, Arizona women's bear down. Very excited. Um, I'm a huge U of A basketball fan. They, Michigan, are are probably two of my like longest running favorite teams. Of course, back in the day, had a lot of respect for UConn. Will always respect UConn women's because I mean most of the WNBA it seems like is compiled of or comprised of um, ex-UConn women's basketball players like I mean they've been amazing for as long as I can remember and also way way back in the day though the men's team Marcus Camby what so Arizona women's, they beat the aforementioned UConn women's the other night in a great, great win. And so today they are playing their finals. And I am stoked. So um, watching that, baseball started in the last couple of days. I watched opening day Giants. Uh, It felt very very familiar, you know, the Giants blowing a 6-1 lead in the 8th, and then tying it up only to blow it, so on a walk-in uh, I screamed so many profanities at my television, let me just tell you, so that's been cool, though you know, having steady stream of sports the Warriors have been incredibly frustrating like they show some real heart at moments and then Steph hurts his tailbone Draymond hurt his finger but also I just see a lot of um, inconsistent play from him and I I think it's interesting, like, if he was talking, like, even a year ago, maybe, but, like, definitely, like, two years ago, whatever, you know, going back to the 
the years that we were winning, even the year though we lost to the Raptors, like Draymond, you know, was really locked in and I think he could be arguably currently like one of the best defensive players or was arguably one of the best defensive players in the NBA, but I don't think um, this season speaks to it. I also like, I'm all for speaking your mind. And um, I like this modern era of NBA where players seem to be less um, guarded, you know, and I'm a very open-minded and free, free speaking person. But if you're going to be Draymond Green and make very bold statements on wax a in front of the cameras about you being the best like defender blah 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 you got to play like it but and then I also have to say that he's been doing a lot of mostly on Twitter I think but I think he also did an interview about it somewhere but I didn't consume it so I'm not gonna um mention that as much but I did read his thread the other day on the Twitter about he was kind of like lecturing female athletes about how to garner equality in pay and it came you know I read through it and I saw points that he made for sure and I'm not going to sit here and say that I am a regular consumer of the WNBA by any means, but I am a consumer of other women's sports, like especially soccer, as somebody who used to play soccer um, pretty competitively and loves the game and also the proof is in the pudding. The female women's national team is still now way better than the men's. And in that sport, which is surrounded by corruption, as we know, like FIFA and all that shit, like, and the Olympic Committee, World Cup, governors, all that shit, like, that is a crooked, crooked, the the sport is pure, the sport is great, um, it's crazy to me that except for in our youth that more people except for people that have foreign it seems like foreign cultures like obviously Latin Americans um, South uh, Asian cultures and of course like Eastern Euro and the UK soccer or football whatever you'd like to call it is such an amazing game and think about truly like how big a regulation field is and like the conditioning that goes into being able to play a full match I think it rivals I, I think it's harder conditioning than even basketball or football or anything like that so it's interesting that there isn't more like enthusiasm in our country by now for it but I'm gonna tell you like I I 
I'm such a big fan of women's soccer. Growing up, like, Mia Hamm was, like, so important to me. So, you know, whatever. And for the second time in a while, like, the United States men's team didn't make it past, like, like they didn't make it into eligibility to be on the biggest stage again and yet the female players are like screaming rightfully about uh, inequality in pay so anyways going back to Draymond he had a long tweet thread the other day where he was just like doing the typical misogynistic like patriarchal kind of like talked talk down to women's athletes like listen to me young young ladies gather around let me tell you um you gotta make something that deserves the equity basically was his message totally cancel trying to cancel out the whole reason why there isn't real interest in the WNBA for instance or I mean I'm gonna go back to like focusing on the WNBA right now since like I think that he as a basketball player should have also maybe been more focused on what he knows like I try not to talk about what I know or at least like read about something if I don't know about it and then discuss it so he was going on this thing and what I would push back to him if I had the opportunity to speak to him, is I would just be like, it is exactly the patriarchal, he might not even realize it. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. What if he's really trying in his mind to be helpful towards women athletes in garnering their wage equity and the enthusiasm around their sports, right? The first thing he should have done is recognize that a big part of why women's sports don't have the wage equity is because of the patriarchy. And hear me out. How much advertising budget and such are ESPN, like, what are, what is preventing women's sports from becoming more marketable? Now, is it because that there's no, no desire to watch them? I doubt that. I think, especially in 2021, I would say that there are more women that either have played sports and maybe not, you know, gone on, like me, like not gone on to professionally play sports, but consume so much sports. I think like it's a great time to be a woman, um, sports, emotion, sports emotional person like myself, because like. I mean, 
sports is everywhere, but it's like mostly male sports. Now, if there was no interest in this stuff, there wouldn't be a WNBA. This isn't like um, getting into Harvard. This isn't like, you know, like, oh, we feel sorry for women, we'll give them a league. No, I mean, there's an interest in it. I've had male friends respond to me when I bitch about the wage inequity that the WNBA just isn't good. I don't agree with that. I think there's an amazing amount of players. I think it's just cool to say that because that person, just like most other people, are probably not consuming it. And I would say the reason they're mostly not consuming it, not all people, but it's because, again, there is a subconscious patriarchal kind of implicit bias that women aren't going to play as hard in a sport like basketball as men. They're not going to be as dominant. There's, you know, whatever. Then you guys haven't watched Deanna Taurasi play. She's a fucking dog. She is trying to kill fools out there. She's threatening to fucking meet opponents outside of the locker room, on the court, like, I'll see you after this game. Like, I'm... She's about that life. Candace Parker. Sue Bird. Like... These are an amazing these these are amazing women. The coach of U of A. Adia Barnes. First um WNBA player recruited from U of A, by the way. Amazing. Bear down cats. So anyhow. Draymond goes on his thing and it just comes off as a woman reading it. It just comes off like so like luxury, right? Not like I'm really trying to give you the game or help you. I think he would have been better served if he's trying to, if he has relationships with pe- female athletes in the WNBA or soccer or whatever sport. I think he would have been better served to have those or attempt to have those conversations one-on-one with these people that he's trying to game up and see what their feedback is to them. But then you put it on this public forum and you have all these fans. So then, you know, of course, you've got all the fucking misogynistic dudes being like, fuck the WNBA, fuck girls, fuck women's sports, fuck this. They suck. They can't play. They can't ball. They can't do whatever. You got the fucking trolls. And so then you got men kind of proving my point. So you got a dog pile of fucking asshole dudes that are just trying to like swing their like small ass dicks behind their little Twitter fingers. Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm a dude. Yeah, fuck bitches. Get money, whatever. And then you're perpetuating what I feel is the problem. That's what's holding us back. If you want to, like, 
be an ally to women, be an ally to women. Don't fucking put caveats on, hey, ladies, you got to step up. And, like, just a lot of his language was um, defeatist, and it almost, like, framed it. I'm not going to go. I don't even know if he's deleted it. But, like, it just felt like a lot of flimsy flimsy like defense of his point and basically what it comes down to really is that we live in a society a global society which sexualizes women and wants them to date and 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 sure, you know, the majority of men have have respect for women. I'm not saying all men are evil because they're not. But I will say all men are conditioned to think that women will never be as physically powerful or dominant as them. I mean, there, of course, is certain things that that might be the case, um, like something I'm not that familiar with, but like bodybuilding, for instance. But with all the performance enhancing in, a, in would you call a bodybuilding sport? I think it's considered a sport. Like, maybe that's a moot point too. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of just like talking out loud, but I think that it all just goes to the point of, Female athletes don't need male athletes to, like, game them on shit. What they need is male athletes to partner with them and start putting pressure behind the scenes on TV, on sponsors, and be like, hey... You know, bring people along with you. Be like, I think you're missing something. Like, you know, go to like pitch meetings with advertisers and such and be like, I think we're missing, you have a blind spot. I think, you know, Kevin Durant, you have a production company. LeBron James, you have a production company. Your little barbershop show. Like, be a puppet master for the women's sports. And not just with, like, the same three, like, fucking, like, famous women. Like, don't do, like, a famous gymnast and then Sue Bird and Meg Rapino. You know, on all the shows and all the interviews about wage inequity in female sports versus men's sports. So, I don't know. I just... I don't have a penis granted but um but yet I I feel like I was a man in a past life and I have a feeling my dick was very big so my former life's big dick is dick slapping Draymond and other like either aware misogynists or unaware misogynists with my big fucking dick and telling them to shut the fuck up because I just 
think that unless you're actively like working to be an ally and to help the problem using your point of privilege and your popularity in your sport, Mr. Best Defender in the NBA, blah, 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 even though you're not anymore, um, then you're really not doing anything but just lecturing and being a misogynist at that. So moving on from Mr. Green. Uh, started the podcast with Miley Cyrus because she did an odd, although uh, unexpectedly, unexpectedly fun little mini concert between the Baylor, um, the Baylor University of Houston game and the UCLA men's basketball and Gonzaga game last night and at first I was like yes when I think of final four I think of Miley Cyrus of course of course so I laughed but then I heard we can't stop which I played going into the pod and I'm like Man, that is a really fucking good pop song. And I can't... I try to hate on her... I try to hate on Miley as much as possible. Not because, you know, I'm jealous of her. And I definitely think she deserves, like, whatever. Like, at least she can actually sing. But, um... And I really have actually been digging, like, her kind of covers that she's been exploring. They're really strong. But going back to that album, the Bangers album, like, um, I remember I was like, she's, she's just so annoying. That's when she was, you know, did the whole MTV thing and, like, grinded up on Robin Thicke and whatever. But, yeah, We Can't Stop is really, really, really fucking good. It's a great pop song. I listened to it on repeat, like, before going out a lot, especially when I was living alone and single. Like, that was a hype song. Um, so I actually have to say, shouts to Miley, um, and I'm glad that you played that song in your medley of, like, Queen and Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks and Heart of Glass by Blondie and all of that. So go Miley. What else is on my mind? We're moving. We are moving. So uh, we are moving on the 15th. <sighs> I'm so nervous that the more I think about it. Um, so I've lived in the mission except for a short stint back home um, for a hot second before Mike and I decided to move into together um, to the place we're living now. But I've lived in the mission since December of 2005. I'm in love with the mission. It's a big part of my creativity. It's It really is like home to me. I love the food. I love the energy. I love this time of year in the mission is like my favorite thing. Like 
you know, pandemic and aside, like it still has that vibe. Like there's nothing like an early morning walk on Valencia street, um, not crowded, not too hot yet. And just like taking pictures and people watching and smiling, even, even with your eyes now, if you have a mask on, like, and knowing your favorite barista and all that. So we're not, I mean, we're not moving far. We're moving to Noe Valley. And where we're moving in Noe Valley is still pretty close, like just a few blocks away from the Outer Mission. And it's a beautiful place. And it has a, besides being a proper, proper, like one bedroom, it also um, has a sunroom, office space. So for us, that's, so cool um and so important but the neighborhood is very white um the majority of latin people you see there's i'm not even making a joke is nannies and um we got a really really great deal on this beautiful apartment and i'm just trying to lead with that because you know it's a very different, it's a very different vibe than Mike and I are, but, you know, we are, like, thinking about family planning, obviously, sometime, uh, kind of soon, but we're not, like, you know, totally over having fun, and now we're one of three, like, it's a duplex, I guess, so, like, the actual owners of the, the whole house that was cut up, um, lives on the, the, has the whole bottom floor in the backyard and then us and then one other person lives across the hall from us. So we're just really hoping that we find our balance, like in the building itself. We obviously don't want to get kicked out for loud noise or like hope they can't smell us smoke pot or whatever. Um, but also just like culturally again like I was saying like inspiration wise um I'm a very energy person as you you know from listening here and it's like I'm a little concerned that it's gonna be so so white and I don't really want that so I mean I changed my neighborhood on Nextdoor, which I already, I, I think I've already said Nextdoor is the most racist, weird, bitchy thing ever. But I changed my uh, neighborhood on Nextdoor to Know You Valley already, just in preparation. And yeah, uh, somebody who looks like they're around my age posted, um, People are posting about being annoyed with loud music on a Saturday. People are, oh yeah, okay, so somebody, I won't say her name out of respect, um, <laughs> somebody in Central Noe Valley wrote, her name is Erica, I'll just say her first name, said, please don't 
<laughs> Please don't blast music all day. Whoever has been partying and blasting music all day in Noe Valley, that is so inconsiderate of the families and working people. I heard it's a group of college-aged kids. This isn't a college town. Please go camping or something, but people here need a new level of respect with the noise. And then, you know, like neighbors or people that saw the post said, the last time something like this was posted, there was a bunch of airheads saying stuff like, this is the best part about having young people in town. Like what? That's someone named Nick who lives in Twin Peaks. Then someone named Mark who lives in West Loris. Also, by the way, next door with your like made up new like neighborhoods what do you mean what is this shit um maybe try talking to them not sure what you think posting on next door is going to do and then someone just said lol so yeah uh <laughs> if uh eric has any indication of about what we're about to move into uh absolutely hate it and um wish us the best i guess is the only way to put that um next topic and this is kind of going to be the crux of my this is what actually really got me started and thinking about doing a verb pod here i go and i'm still kind of confused on where i come away with it so bear with me so my uh, not miley cyrus demi lovato uh, I am not uh, familiar with her music. I actually have a cousin who opened up for her on tour with her old musical act. Said she was pretty cool, whatever. So uh, uh, that's all I have to say about that. But so Demi Lovato, um, I say notorious because it's it's been out there for a number of years first um we found out that she for many years had an eating disorder which i think any women um as women in general we are all um not as body positive about ourselves and other women as we should be that's what we've been unfortunately indoctrinated into that is a social construct handed down by generations of women it is a part of the patriarchy um as well but um i just want to i just want to um speak out loud and say that i find that most women even even women that are thought of as stereotypically beautiful women um every woman is 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 critical to varying degrees um of their body image and so when you hear even about like a famous person with body image issues i think as women you you can say on one hand you're like oh they're rich or they're this and they're that what's you know boo hoo but you still get it like i mean it doesn't 
I, I feel for her. So early on in her career, that became illuminated that she had an eating disorder. Then it came out that she was bipolar, which is, again, another thing. Like, how can you not have um, empathy for not just a woman, but like anybody with um, a behavioral uh, biochemical issue? Uh, my oldest brother is bipolar and, you know, it very much affected our family as well. And, um, and it was incredibly heartbreaking to see all the times, including later in life, just in the last, like the last couple of years when my brother has struggled with his issues. So I, I do also want to say that um as a family member of somebody who is mentally ill I have a lot of empathy for that so that came out and then there started to be the rumblings of her having a coke problem and this is kind of where I'm going with this so so I myself have a very, um, the only thing that I would ever align myself with libertarians about um, would be, I think that your relationship or non-relationship with substances um, is kind of a personal choice um, while also being super aware that some people get addicted to drugs some people have a predisposition to being addicted to drugs too and that drug and alcohol substance addiction you know eating whatever addictions can lead to death can lead to health issues and uh, I have a total understanding of that but I also think that your relationship with you make you make your own decisions about that, and I do think that there should completely be a decriminalization of all narcotics, and that's not a popular um, point. And do I think that it's going to happen all over the nation? In my lifetime, absolutely not. I know that Portland, or 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 I, is it the state of Oregon, or is it just the city of Portland? I'm sorry, I don't have that information on me. But I know that they're in the process of decriminalizing. Now, that's not legalizing, right? That's decriminalizing. I mean, legalization is a whole other game. But the war on drugs does not work. And I will always believe that it doesn't work. It's a failure. It is an abomination. Uh, the carceral state is mostly comprised of people of color with um, anywhere from low, low, like, drug um, charges, like, surrounding marijuana, for instance. Definitely think you should never be in trouble for marijuana. But, I mean crack, 
coke, heroin, all that. There's economics to it. There's supply and demand to using drugs. Um, and just because somebody doesn't agree with that doesn't mean that, okay, so you don't have to use it. Um, a lot of crime is created because people in those socioeconomic backgrounds a lot of times, you know, start drug dealing, but because there's criminalized drug stat, you know, the drug statutes are what they are in the majority of our country, um, they're like risking themselves and their lives and there's the gang aspect of it and it gets it gets bloody and it gets crazy so if you were to take away the stigma to consuming narcotics if you are of age at least like I'm not saying I'm not saying that under 18 I would suggest for any type of drug to be able to be purchased legally, like, whatever. But I also would be a complete and utter hypocrite if I was like, people under 18, you know, shouldn't be able to get their hands on drugs because I, when, before I was the age of 18, got my hands on a lot of drugs and I consumed a lot of drugs. I'm not saying it's right, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it was my personal choice. And I feel like at the age of 40, I myself didn't have my life ruined by drug addiction. I'm lucky, and I haven't, you know, died. But if I had become addicted to drugs, or if I lost my life using drugs, ultimately that would have been my choice. So, I struggle, this is going back to Demi Lovato, by the way, I struggle with this Demi Lovato thing because, on one hand, her struggles with substance abuse are no uh, different than a non-famous person who struggles with narcotics and abusing drugs and alcohol or whatnot. But here's where things are getting murky for me in my belief system. And maybe you, listener, can give me feedback after listening to this episode and help me straighten my 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 thorough line um, out please do. I'd love, I, I would always love to hear feedback on what I'm saying. But, okay, so a couple of years ago, infamously, Demi Lovato had a, not just, like, an overdose, but, like, she almost died. Um, she was brain dead, all this stuff. Uh, she thought she was doing heroin and Xanax and like maybe crack or something and there was fentanyl in it 
um, that's the other thing. We should be advocating for purity, like, um, kits, and if you are going to use, like, Coke, Speed, heroin, or other stuff, you should know at least to make an informed decision um, on what you're getting, right? That would be another great thing about decriminalizing the drug trade and such because that way we either could have street dealers not like looking to make their money by cutting shit with really shady things right so that's one way of looking at it but also it would cut down on overdoses unless you want fun I mean knock yourself out um Anyhow, so she had a really, really, really bad heroin overdose and all that other stuff. Almost died. And now she has new music. And not only does she have new music, but (laughs) she gives interviews. First, she gives an interview saying that she is currently something called California sober which means she's drinking she's allowing herself to drink again and she's smoking weed okay then I watched one part don't (laughs) don't kill me but I, I watched one part I heard she had been on Joe Rogan and you know I'm not a big fan of Joe Rogan but I wanted to see what it was all about. So I watched this one excerpt about her overdose and her being, her state of sobriety and how, and and leave it to Joe Rogan. And I think Joe Rogan, I'm going to give him a benefit of the doubt for once, like was kind of like me. He's coming from an informed consumer of drugs. Like, like I'm not going to lie, sit here right now and say, that I don't still occasionally, I mean, obviously not lately, but I've done, I've done drugs in the last couple of years. Um, I tend to, lately I've, I tend to smoke more, more pot again, and I haven't even actually been drinking that much, and I'm, I myself right now prefer that. Um, but I, you know, I do shrooms, stuff like that. But in the last couple of years, I've done cocaine. Sure. I mean, yeah. Um, but again, I, you know, that's my choice. And also I don't have, knock on wood, I don't have like a super crazy, like I can put it down um, and not do it. I've had times in my life where I've done it a lot. Um, and I think a lot of people go through those phases with coke, especially with like nightlife and all that, but not glorifying it, not saying you should do coke, not saying you shouldn't do coke, do whatever you want, but be honest about like your, your boundaries. So I'm watching this thing. And she's going into the details that she hadn't gone into before. Like, 
she was telling Joe Rogan she's lost a huge part of her eyesight. So when she was looking at Joe Rogan, she said that basically she only saw that she saw like his eye area and above, but that from below his nose all the way down, it's just a big black space. And they don't know if it's going to be permanent or um, or if her eyesight will return. Not from drugs, but I know. So in my 20s, late 20s, I used to date this guy. And for a while he lived on, <laughs> this sounds so funny. He lived on a boat, like a houseboat. And um, there was this... In the sleeping area, there used to be, so there was this like kind of like overhang. He was like supremely tall. He was six, six and a half. So as is, I was like, isn't he always like, like everything was like low on this boat. I was always concerned that he was going to fucking hit his head on something. And I think I did see him hit his head. But anyways, so in the sleeping quarters area, there was a little like shelf, like a, what would be like usually like a side table was kind of built into the the boat on the side overhanging the sleeping area. And one day I was either getting up to pee or, or whatever. It was It's pretty close quarters, you know. And like I said, he's a big guy. So I was like maneuvering over him. I hit the side, like kind of towards the back of my head. Uh, I went up. Whoa, sorry. I just like did the motion as I was talking to you guys. And uh, my thing just like went, my headphones went all over the place. Anyways, so to get up to pee or whatever I had to do real quick, I go... And I hit the back, like, the back of my head on the corner of this wooden, like, built-in, like, table like, side table piece, right? And soon after that, like, I went up real, and I, I was like, ow, and I kind of saw stars when I did it. And after that happened for about, two or three months and I had to go to a, a special eye doctor that my dad referred me to actually I was having spots on the like kind of in my peripheral vision for a couple of months and I was concerned that I had brain damage and I was concerned that that shade and it was kind of like a shade like she was talking about but it was only on like kind of like in my periphery and then I would see these like spots and I was really concerned that this would be ongoing I was really scared luckily it eventually went away um in a couple of months it resolved itself but she says it's been she's you know lost her vision like that for now it's been a couple of years That's not good, dummy. I say that to say kind of what I'm struggling with. 
So she's saying she's California sober. Joe's kind of like laughing at her, like, what does that mean? And she's like, well, I smoke weed and I, I drink. And she keeps saying when she went to rehab after she finally got out of the hospital after this OD, right? She says that in rehab, she told the rehab, I want to try to do things different. And then, you know, obviously because she has access to resources that not everyone does, she has a sobriety team. And that within her sobriety team, due to her decision to try it this new way, meaning sober from hard narcotics, basically. So that's her thing. Um, that she's working with her care team and they have an understanding of this new, new way of her sobriety and that they're going to keep her accountable to only drinking and smoking weed. Now, I'm skeptical about that. But let's go one step further. Let me read you this um, headline from People Magazine. Demi Lovato says recreating Night of Her Overdose for Dancing with the Devil video was not the easiest. So you got Demi Lovato... Um... I mean, I get it. it. It's art. It's performance art. And she's been doing this, like, uh, YouTube documentary. But um, she recounted the night she relapsed in 2018 after six years of sobriety. I picked up a bottle of red wine one night, and it wasn't even 30 minutes before I called someone that had drugs on them. She said, I'm surprised that I didn't OD that night. I ended up at a party and ran into my old drug dealer from six years before. That night, I did drugs I had never done before. I'm really lucky to be alive. Um, so, yeah. So, then she's doing this music video, which is, like, images of her with, like, She's on a, like, gurney. She has tubes in her nose. Like, all this stuff. Uh, it just seems a little dark. But, you know, again, art can be dark. And it can be some of the best art an artist makes. Um, so I, I realized that as well. Also, because she seems to have to, like, pack everything into her life. Now she's also, on top of being, quote-unquote, California sober... And doing this music video and this YouTube documentary, she's saying she's pansexual, which is fine. She's queer. She's this. She's that. Whatever. Um, cool. It just seems like, I mean, I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist, but like I said, speaking from like my brother, my relationship with my brother and like being around that. She seems kind of manic. But again, that's just my opinion. I don't know for a fact. And she has a really rabid fan base. So if you're listening to this and you're a Demi Lovato fan, Lovatics, don't come after me. Fuck you. Um, 
but there just seems like there's a lot going on at once and um it concerns me for her I personally feel like if you are that close to death previously um I would be a little bit uh reticent I guess would be the word to a allow myself to drink because like I just read you from that people article her relapse into a really bad situation started she claims with drinking red wine so if drinking for her breaks down her inhibitions and leads to her doing all that other stuff that almost killed her that's one thing just off the top of my head that seems a little problematic also and I know this because I dated I'm not just saying like using it like casually like I dated somebody a drug addict for six years and um, I still have the biggest amount of empathy for him and when we were together his one and only brother who also was a drug addict died while we were together of an overdose while he was visiting my ex-boyfriend he had been out of sober living after being arrested because of a drug related charge his brother um and had been out of off probation and out of sober living for literally like 72 hours before he came out to California from Arizona did drugs went on a speed binge got a um, cheap hotel room at the side of the freeway and you know the rest is history but I think because of that experience um it maybe it paints like it, maybe it, it makes my opinion on demi or people that are doing this like half sobriety or whatever you want to call it like i'm not going to do these things but i'll do that like thing i'm a little bit weary of that um First thing I know to be a fact, and I know it's a byproduct of the illness, which is addiction, which I think is a very real and very serious issue for anybody struggling with it. Whether or not I believe that using drugs or even continuing to use drugs, if you know that you have a problem, is ultimately your decision. Um, I think it's people around you's decision to decide whether or not they can support you um, and definitely a lot of us that date people with addiction issues tend to have codependency that springs up in our own selves that um, is very toxic. And so, like I said, like you can make any decision you want. You can do the drugs, not do the drugs, do half the drugs, smoke the pot, but not do the speed or the whatever. But playing with fire is what I am saying so um but what I also know from my experience with my 
x is that, <laughs> how else do I put it? Drug addicts are notorious liars. <laughs> There's no nice way to put it. They're liars. And they could be great people, but because of the nature and the secrecy of their addiction and the stigma, I'll say that, it just makes them lie, cheat, or steal, right? And I know this from living with one, with spending, giving a lot of my money to this person, um, housing this person. They fucked up two of, not one, but two of my cars. Like, I've been through it. And, um, and like I said, I, I am not in current communication with this person out, but I, from afar, I will always love this person and my hope for this person, wherever they are currently, I hope they're doing great. And if they are just like, I hope they just smoke weed now, you know, he was not into drinking, which is interesting. He never was that. He used to tell me he thought I had. Why do you always want to like go to a bar? Like that's so boring. And I'm thinking to myself, why do you like doing speed balls? You know. <laughs> so I mean, it's all perspective, I suppose. But the lies are bad, and so I'm watching this interview with Demi Lovato and Joe Rogan, and he's being cool and he's kind of speaking on a harm reduction kind of perspective which like I said I'm pro harm reduction and he's like kind of buying what she's giving but I also I just like looked at her and I was like this care team that she keeps referencing she kept saying my me and my care team me and my team me and my team Demi, ultimately these people are being employed by you and I'm sure that is a cash cow and I have a feeling you've had several other care teams and I have a feeling you've lied to them before to go and you say relapse once or twice or for a week or whatever. My gut, my intuition says that she's putting this term, this, she's speaking and being honest or half honest about her relationship with drugs and alcohol currently so that if the press or if somebody narks her out again saying like, I'm doing, I'm at a part, you know, the blogs or whatever, like someone rats her out and it's like, I'm at a party right now at in Hollywood and I'm um, watching her smoke crack or she's doing coke or heroin or whatever it is that she's going to be able and hopefully she's going to be alive to like argue this but like if that were to become publicized again if she is engaging in those behaviors she's going to be like well I was honest I said that I was at a point where I wanted to see how X would go, this California sober thing is. 
Um, I go back and forth on it. Like, personally, I, I just feel like she's, my gut intuition is she's lying. And she's already probably, hopefully not all the time, but like, maybe using more than marijuana and just drinking. It seems like something my ex would say, like where he'd just be like, well, he said so many things, but, um, for instance, when he, I let him use my car to go to the sunset to visit our mutual friend and spend the night there and hang out with two of our male mutual friends. I said to him, person's name, you can take the car overnight, but you got to promise me something because it's, it's in fucking sunset. Like you can walk a few blocks and get food or get drinks or get whatever. Right. I said to him, I was like, if you start drinking, don't drive. Okay. 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 He shows up at six in the morning. I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, thinking that he would come home that early. He's crying. The reason he's crying is because friends, he drove my car at the time. Um, he drove my car, he and his friend, our friend, um, were, he said he was, they were stoned and a little drunk and they wanted to get pizza just a few blocks away on 19th and, and what's 19th and whatever and Judah, whatever. No, they lived on, uh, whatever it was. Okay. And he ended up driving into an N. Judah, uh, platform station. And my car was, a at the time, a BMW convertible and it had the flat top and, I guess when he hit the uh, platform, the hydraulics in the headrests of the back seats just literally shot through the soft cover of my then car, broke the fucking window, fucked everything just got fucked up, and then it had a big, big fucking dent and all sorts of shit broke. So then I had to go take the end judo with him back. Like he didn't have triple A long story. Now he claims and he claimed for years that, you know, I didn't break up with him after that, but he claimed for years. I swear. I swear. I was just a not even drunk. I was just a little buzzed and we were, um, we were, um, what is this? 
Okay. Um, so he said that he was only stoned and um, kind of, kind of buzzed. I, of course, from other people that were around him, um, heard, oh no, he and someone and someone else were, um, were blowing lines, like, all night. So, my long-winded point is, I'm a little skeptical of, uh, Demi and her her approach to her journey but I mean ultimately it still is her journey and I I want to wish her the best but I don't know I just don't know I don't know I hope nothing I I really do hope nothing worse happens to her um I hope her team is um, really helping her because that's the one thing. Like I said, she has a resource to people but also if you make your living at the hands of somebody who's really wealthy and you might be concerned in questioning them if you think that they're not sticking to the quote-unquote plan or Or you just like find yourself like even if you're a reputable um, mental health professional that is like advising her on stuff like there might be a time I like you know you're you're playing with fire because these people tend to play with fire if she wants to use she's gonna use obviously but it just there just seems like there's a lot going on. Do you know what I mean? What do you think? Am I... I feel like I'm being hypocritical to my belief that it is everyone's, like, decision to make, like, whatever their relationship or non-relationship um, with substances are, but, like, I don't know. I'm just... Maybe I'm just nervous. I'm Maybe I'm just, like, I... Uh, maybe I just have a really bad intuition of what could be in the future for her and I I hope I'm wrong but I just wanted to talk through that with you my my little buddies um let's see what else is that it yeah I think it's it Thank you for listening. Like I said, go, go U of A women. Um, that fucking UCLA Gonzaga game was so good last night. I do not care about either Baylor or Gonzaga. So, I mean, I'll watch the game on Monday, but I don't really like care. Um, also Giants tighten up, Warriors tighten up as well. How are the A's doing? How are the A's doing? Shouts to Mahile. Oh good. Oakland is 0-3. 
how are the giants doing? San Francisco giants, duh. Um, we have one win and two losses. Ugh. Anyhow, Bay Area Sports, hum baby. I love you. Pray for Mike and I in this uh, Noe Valley move. And, uh, oh, I didn't even talk about Jen Shot next time. Or I'll get Stacy to come on and talk to me about that. All right, verb pod out. Bye-bye.